Good evening and welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sandsbury. Oh, after the cut and the thrust and the hurly-burly of the hustings, back to just the two of us, Simon. It is. It feels um, a little bit weird not to have to kind of sort out multitude of technical issues, prepare a load of questions, do a coin toss, explain a spreadsheet, not muck up the spreadsheet. <laughs> yes, yeah, not break the spreadsheet. We're back to simpler times. And, uh, yeah, so this evening's show is... Uh, is the, I think this is the third year that we've been doing the uh, the predictions, and I think I think you've won both so far, but only by the narrowest of margins, by perhaps one one seat or two. So it's it's my chance this evening to uh, to to turn the tables and use my insightful punditry to uh, to win this one, or potentially we'll have got it all wrong and um, we'll hang our heads in shame next Sunday. So, uh, yes, enjoyed the hustings. Um, shame we only got the four in, I think. Um, I think at one point it was it was looking like we might have had to do seven or eight, but then uh, we didn't quite get as many as we hoped to cross the um, line. No, it was, a, it was a shame. There was there was quite a bit of interest from, um, from other wards, but sadly um, not enough to, um, for us to be able to, even with us saying we'll do a hustings, if we've got as few as two candidates um, to do a hustings, um then basically unfortunately there um that still wasn't um wasn't a low enough bar for some wards so um it's worth us shouting out that we did have actually quite a few candidates that were willing that had put their names forward um and were willing to actually undertake hustings but sadly none of their fellow candidates in their wards um took them up on the offer so um so our our gratitude uh, and thanks to the patience of um Yinka um Adeniran from uh, Labour for Charles Dickens Tom Coles for Labour from Fratton uh, Paula Savage uh, for Labour from Milton it's a bit of a theme there um Andrew McFarlane for the Conservatives in Paulsgrove um and Elliot Lee who's the Green for St Tom's um all of which had said they were up for a hustings um and uh, but sadly um none of their none of their fellows um took us up on the offer um but we also um despite having um yes we're interested and willing uh, from um the from Craig Withy for Labour um Lee Tyndall for Portsmouth Independence Party and Matthew Winnington for the Liberal Democrats in Eastley and Craneswater uh, we just couldn't find a date um that they could all attend um so unfortunately the schedule kind of got away from us um, and we weren't able to squeeze that one in, um, which was which was a shame. But um, thank you all for um, being willing to put yourselves forward and um, subject yourselves to the questions. Um, hopefully, um, well, hopefully some of you we won't want to interview in. Oh, actually, no, we won't want to interview in Hustings next year because some of you will have won. That will mean you have lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some will have won, some will have lost, and it's nice to see that we've. Uh, um, well, we won't reveal their name, but um, we have got the first, uh, the first, uh, the first person signed up for a hustings for uh, for twenty twenty three. Is it a secret then? I don't know whether it is. Well, I mean, they said it on a public I Facebook forum, so I'm, I'm gathering uh, they're we... not. 
yeah, OK, we won't let everybody know that Scott Pater Harris, Conservative Hillsy councillor, is uh, has already put his paw up for a, for a hustings indeed. next year. Indeed. So thank you very much, Scott, uh, for being the first person to put your, your toe into the ring uh, for next year's um, hustings. Um, we look forward to um, revisiting that early next year. Hmm. Right, what we got this evening then, Simon? Because you have, you have been infographics boy today, have you not? <laughs> um, yeah, so um, today I have been, um, I don't know if hurriedly is the right word, um, today I have been getting together some um, some graphics that we can use to look at our predictions for the wards, what we're basing that on, whether that is literally just actually a finger in the air, or whether we've done we can try to excuse and explain and justify that with some sort of this is actually what happens in the last couple of years, this is what we think is gonna happen this year. So to to help explain that, I'm gonna take us to I'm gonna tell a story. How's that? So this yeah, is where we it. are now. So we are currently with a Lib Dem minority administration, um, even though the Conservatives actually have the largest number of seats at 17, it's not enough um, to be an overall majority. 22 seats is what's required to have a majority in Portsmouth City Council of the 42 councillors. Um, each year, three years, each year of the three years out of four that there's someone being elected, there's one councillor in each of the 14 wards being um, um, up for re-election. Uh, so currently it stands with the Conservatives at 17, the Liberal Democrats at 15, Labour at 7, the Progressive Portsmouth People Group at 2, and the Independent or Portsmouth Independence Party um, at 1. Uh. Yeah. So as as and I believe it was entirely written about the Portsmouth electoral system by Taylor Swift. It is all about twenty two, isn't it? <laughs> well done. Um, the, um, I'm, I, yeah, sure I'm that absolutely I, certain I that was precisely what it was about. Um, so it's it's all yeah. about getting to that twenty two. Yeah. Um, as we as we continue yep. on with our conversation, um, we'll talk about how likely it is that someone's going to get to twenty two. Um, this year. So of the mm. 14 wards, what political parties are have a, have a councillor um, that's currently up for um, re-election? So currently, the Conservatives have got six uh, councillors that are up for re-election. Um, so they're the count. So it is a councillor, conservative councillor in yep. in six of the wards. Liberal Democrats three, Labour three, which is nearly half of their representation on the council. Um, both of the Progressive Portsmouth yep. People Group um, councillors are up for um, re-election, um, and none of the Portsmouth Independence Party are because that's uh, George Madrick, who was only elected last year um, into Paulsgrove. Um, so that's the fourteen. Yep. But as we know of the um, Portsmouth People's progressive group um one of them is up for re-election and the other one is standing down so claire yes. ud has served her term um and again if people haven't heard that podcast with claire i would recommend going back and having a listen as claire is very candid about her time in 
in uh, as a counsellor and um yeah she did indeed she was a fantastic guest um so definitely worth a shout i shall look up the um the link to that one and i shall post it into the comments uh when i get a second um yeah so that's the that's the 14 that are up um for this time um so shall we shall we start should we start getting into the nitty-gritty of of the wards yeah so let's let's start because we're going to go in reverse order just because we think that's 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 we start down in um, st thomas we do yeah so um starting in in st thomas um so rob wood the um the liberal democrat um councillor is standing down um he's a previous uh, lord mayor um the vote sh to me, the Liberal Democrat vote share um, has been increasing in this ward in recent years, um, and I see, um, if I'm honest, I don't see any other possible outcome than the Liberal Democrats retaining this ward um, and their candidate for this year, uh, Mark Jeffrey, joining the can uh, council. So candidates this year are Joshua Allen for the Labour Party, Mark Jeffrey for the Liberal Democrats, um, Robert Johnson for the Conservative Party, and Elliot Lee for the Greens. What are your thoughts, Ian? Yeah, if we look, if yeah, if we look at the ward when Rob was elected, the winning his winning margin was only four percent. We compare that to last year, um, and that was up to fourteen percent. I think this is uh, this is probably one of the Lib Dems' stronger seats. Um, have seen some stuff on social media from from Labour, um, but to to give a fourteen point turnaround, can't see that. So I think we're we're both going to shake hands on this one being a Lib Dem Okay, hold. so that's both of us going for a Lib Dem hold. Okay, so um, we move just across the border then to St Jude. Um, so um, the candidates in St Jude, um, so we've got the um, the, the incumbent, uh, Judy Smythe of the Labour Party, re-standing. Uh, we've got Martin Northern for the Liberal Democrats, um, Artin McCulloch for the Green Party, and Alicia Denny for the Conservative Party. Um, so... The interesting thing for me was last year, um, Hugh Mason um, for the Liberal Democrats retains the ward with a 93 vote majority. Um, but current, but incumbent mm. uh, Judith uh, Smythe um, won the ward in 2018 with a 105 vote majority against um, against the Conservative candidate um, Linda Symes. So I think this one's again going to be yep. a tight race. Um, but I'm putting that down to a um, to a Labour hold. Yeah, this is this is one where you could you could make a case. Um, it, it's a funny old ward in that that the, the, there have been winners from different parties. It, it's never quite clear who the second party is. Um, but if we look at that sort of again, if I look at last year, the the you know whilst the the, the Lib Dems held it, there was a um, you know there was a the the gap was closed by Labour. Judith, I think, won it. Um, you know, when she won it, she's the standing councillor. Um, I could argue for an upset here, but when when I looked at it, I, I'm again we're going to violently agree on this one. I've got this down as a Labour hold. Okay, so drastic agreement. Yeah, it's interesting that that Judy's won with a three percent um, majority um, over over the next candidate, and Hugh Mason 
um, sorry, Dr. Hugh Mason uh, won last year with also with a with a three percent um, lead against the next candidate. Um, the previous year, with previous guest of the show, Graham Heaney um, was the um, was the winner for the Labour Party there, with thirty three percent against the nearest um, candidate at twenty six percent. So, I think there's a bit of a close battle that kind of goes backwards and forwards there, um, yeah. but it seems clear um, to me. I yeah, I, I yeah. Well, I think we've both expressed our opinion on that one. So. Um, shall we um, move on? So, um, sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so next, sorry, I'm just typing something for the um, for the comments there. So next is the all. Yeah, so the Paul's leads Grove. us next. Yeah, Paul's Grove. Paul's Grove. Now, for those who don't know the history of Paul's Grove, Paul's Grove is a, is a very strange ward. It's all called Paul's Grove, and it's it's basically it's Paul's Grove and Port Solent, and I think that that's that is something, you know, not to be underestimated. So Paul's Grove has has, has been through a kind of slightly chameleon-based um, approach in terms of colour. So uh, you know, at one point it was very much a Labour stronghold, um, as, as we sort of come into the sort of 2010s, 12, started returning UKIP candidates, um, and then sort of gently and quietly um, turned into a, a bit of a conservative stronghold, as most of the seats in the, the north of the city are. So, um, you know, was, was, was looking to be, you know, one of those almost a little bit of a tick spot, tick box ward where you know uh, not much effort if any effort put in by the other parties and then last year George Madgwick turned the whole apple cart upside down um, by taking a very different approach um, very much targeting Paul's Grove residents who hadn't voted in the past ran on a ticket of um, you're being taken for granted. The Conservatives just presume they're going to win. The Lib Dems and Labour don't care. I'm different. We saw the turnout increase markedly. I think it went from sort of circa 20% up to like 33, 34%. So, you know, turnout was out almost 50%. And George, I think, romped home with, from memory, was it a 12% majority? Um, yeah, so... Um, he did a he did a, a very good show. So yes, yeah, so last year George Madrick um, got forty nine percent of the vote with a with a twelve like you say a twelve percent um, lead against the Conservative candidate Tony Hewitt, um, which was um, to be honest just kind of just barnstorming. I think um, I think a lot of the interesting things there for Paulsgrove um, and the, sadly we weren't able to organise a hustings in Paulsgrove um, this year. Um, we did have the um, unlike last year, where the Conservative candidate unfortunately um, hadn't um, wanted to take part, um, yes. this year it's the a mirror, Conservative candidate it? was very eager it's to it. take part um, in the hustings, but sadly none of the other candidates um, wanted to join them. So it, it is it is a bit of a shame. Um, I think it's um, I think it's a key one that that Paul's Grove um, voters are perhaps kind of left without without anybody actually really competing for their votes. Um, so it's good to see someone doing that over the last couple of years. Um, and encouraging a bit of a fight, um, um, but yeah, I think you know if there's been a if there's been a bit of a recent uptick in conservative campaigning um, there, so perhaps that's kind of making them work a bit for the ward after um, getting a bit of a a bit of a bloody nose last year. Um, so 
yeah, although although I do think um so this year's candidate, um so we've got um Brian Madwick, um, so the successful councillor um the successful candidate last year, councillor um George Madwick. So his father Brian Madwick is standing for Portsmouth Independence Party this year. Um we've got the Conservative candidate of the aforementioned Andy Mc, uh, McFarlane. Uh we've got um Raj Ghosh for the Labour Party. Um, and Nikki Dodd uh, for the Liberal Democrats. Um, I think it's going to be a slightly different scene to last year. I don't think it's going to be as wide a margin. Um, but I do still think that the, um, there's going to be a second Madwick joining uh, joining the council. Yeah, uh, and again, I, if you would have asked me three weeks ago, I, I would have said, I would have definitely said that the independents were going to win Paul's Grove. I, I think it was a perceived to be a done deal, but I, I watch social media very closely. And I guess what I'm not seeing this year is the same level of activity and proactivity that I'm, I, I saw last year from candidates in, from, you know, residents in the ward who, who kind of were getting quite excited by the fact that, that, you know, George seemed to be offering something different. Um, you know, I don't know Brian Madrick, but I, I, I don't see that same level of oh, charisma, presence that, that was there before. And I think probably the last three, four weeks, it feels a little bit like, you know, I, I, I think that the Conservatives had almost given up on Paul's Grove, that, that you know, that, that the Madwicks were going to take take it and then they suddenly realized that maybe it wasn't a done deal after all so i i hovered on this one um and in the end i've fallen on the side of the independence but i think it's going to be much much closer and it it it, it, it could be i think there's definitely a case to be that the, the magic effect might actually count against them in that you know you've got to get your people out. And I think if people think that it's a done deal that Madgwick will romp to a second seat, then there is a risk that they stay home and the Port Solent voters who tend to vote Conservative turn out and cause an upset. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple of different things at play is whether um, how many of the traditional Conservative vote will be put off by the um who it's who it's fair to say say are probably quite strong with their postal vote um will be put off by the shenanigans in Westminster um and in number 10 and won't perhaps go so far as putting their support behind a different party but just won't give their give their support and endorsement mm. uh, to the national government um I, i've seen in in local media um local conservative politicians trying to trying to make the case that um these are these are local elections and they're about local politics they're about your your local councillor um which is the opposite of what they were saying last year of course when they were talking about isn't it great that the vaccine's out aren't we great we're nearly out of all the covid situation isn't it brilliant that's because of boris um so it's you know you can't really kind of have the bread buttered on both sides there is people will sometimes as much as some people don't bother to vote in local elections, as we've discussed before, the turnout is considerably lower in locals than mm. they are in nationals. Some people see that as giving them a bit of freedom to have a protest vote when they want, and it's quite normal mid-term of a parliamentary term for people to basically stick two fingers up at the national government and say, well, this is how we think you're doing. 
Um, yeah. But at the same time, um, you know, for them to ride, you know, ride that ride that wave of um, vaccine euphoria last year, and to be celebrating that of being a recognition of how great the country was doing, uh, but this year it's kind of something different. So it, it it's um it's a strange one, but people do or don't vote for many different reasons, um, and you'd have to ask yeah. them to find out what. Yeah, and and again, it's that element of you know it, it's the percentages isn't it? it you know if i look at the conservative vote share last year yeah it did go up but it didn't go up by much um and it was still principally limited to you know those those conservative ward hotspots that you get so yeah i mean it, it, it's a it, it's a it's a fair question you know again we we see a lot of you know but it, it, i guess the question is how much the whole sort of party gate integrity of the prime minister thing how much that plays in the media to those who are you know to, to whom it really matters uh, and whether to the you know the the local voter that wants to make sure they've got a a candidate that's going to work hard for them how much that comes into play so so we'll um we will see as we uh as we get close so in an in an exciting twist thus far we have agreed I, on I all three what a what a surprise or a disappointment um depending on whether whether listeners were expecting some sort of virtual punch up um it wasn't going to happen um so um okay so that's Paul's Grove um let's let's head south down the M275 and find ourselves um in Nelson so the first of the wards that we'd actually mm. done our things for um so um so Nelson um the candidates this year are Nick Doyle for the Trade Union and Socialist Coalition um, the incumbent, Jason Fazakli, for the Liberal Democrats. Um, the Conservative candidate, um, Spencer Gardner. Um, the Labour candidate, um, Amy Gwither. Amy Gwither, sorry. Um, and the Green candidate. I've, I've... You, you have got to make the word uh, soup of her why? name. I managed to, mi- I managed to you, mispronounce you her surname. You Hustings, and then I've actually managed to stuff up her first name. Amy, my apologies. Um, and Duncan Robinson uh, for the Green Party. Um, so those are the candidates this year. So interestingly, five candidates where there was only four um, the previous year. Um, so it's seen a bit more activity politically um, in Nelson than normal. Um, however, though, the, um, the turnout outside of general elections has gone down over the last few years from about 29% in 2014. Mm. Um, and and also in 2014, um, it returned a UKIP councillor with 31% of the vote, followed by a Conservative in 2015 um, with 25% of the vote. But since then, um, so from 2016 onwards, it's returned a a Lib Dem with at least 40% of the vote. Um, so they went from second in 2014, um, to fourth in 2015 to then first in six in 2016 onwards. Um, and I don't see, despite the competition, that that's a trend that's going to, um, that's going to break. So I think that although perhaps with a reduced majority because of the activity of other parties, um, I do see that, um, Jason, uh, is going to get returned, um, but the uh, the conservative candidate there, um, uh, Spencer Gardner, if if he's going to stick around and, conta- and continue to campaign in the ward, I think he's definitely one to watch. Yeah, I think um, it, it, this one is a ward where there's no clear second party. As you say, the Lib Dems have kind of made it their own. Um, you know, they've got the 
in terms of the monopoly, they've got all, all three of the same colour. So all three um, councillors are orange. Um, or I don't know what you call your sort of ghastly yellow colour. Um, so, you know, there is an element to, to, to the continuity argument is kind of strong here. Um, I don't understand the trade union and socialist coalition. Um, you know, uh, and again, look, I'm I'm glad of them in terms of you know anything that smashes up the the progressive left vote and splits it is superb. Um, but yeah, it, it always seems a very very strange choice um, where they stand candidates. Um, I think it's the lack of clear second choice here that will see Jason over the line. Um, I thought both Amy and Spencer came across very well in the podcast. Um, you know, Spencer, as you say, I, I, I feel he, if you can argue for an upset from anybody, um, you know, again, got the very strong impression, you know, Spencer's been active in the ward, you know, not just in the last, as it comes into the run up to the election, but has been there or thereabouts. But as you say, I have a sneaking suspicion on this one that with a reduced majority, Jason's going to get home. Okay. So is that us agreeing again? Can't go on forever. Um, it, it better not. It's going to be a really, really boring show, um, to be honest with you. So um, let's um, hop over to the eastern side of the island then um, and have a look at things in Milton. So what, what are your thoughts on Milton then, Ian? Now, Milton is a funny old ward, isn't it? So it, 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 it's another one of the Lib Dem strongholds. Um, if we look at... Last year, um, Kimberly Barrett won it for the Lib Dems. Um, very strong Lib Dem candidate. A lot of respect for, for Kimberly. But Paula Ann Savage um, closed the gap and came in a sort of credible second. Um, and this year, the Lib Dem councillor or the Lib Dem candidate is Steve Pitt. Now, Steve, obviously, deputy council leader, um, was expected to take over from Gerard, um, lost narrowly last year in Central South. He was unseated by Charlotte Gerarda. Um, so is looking to make his comeback in um, Milton. There are some, you know, could argue that has he been given a, a, a safe, you know, a safe seat? Well, I don't think, I don't think that's the case. Um, I think, you know, this one is very contestable. Um, now, Paul Rand Savage, I think, has got a lot of kudos from her work with the Stop Aquint project. And so despite Milton being a relatively strong Lib Dem kind of heartland, I actually think that there's going to be a little, little bit of a shock here. And this might be the first one we disagree on, because I think Paul Rand Savage is going to get across the line. Wow. OK. Um, I can I, I can see kind of what the the point is that you're making. Um, I think the gap between um, Labour and the winning Lib Dems in this ward has gone from ten to fifteen to six, then six percent last year uh, between Paula and um, the Lib Dem mm. um, um, returned uh, councillor um, Kimberly uh, Kimberly Barrett. Um, so, but yeah, I do agree. Paula's very um, popular and visible from her campaign. Uh, work with Let's Stop Aquind, who we've had on the show a couple of, um, well, several times now. Um, so, 
Yes. I agree that although actually last year it was only a 6% gap, I think there will be a closing of that gap um, between them. I think that personal vote is going to be quite important there, um, both for Steve and for and for Paula. Um, but I do disagree. I think I think that um, I think that Steve will uh, will get returned, and it would be a welcome return to see um, the you know the experienced former former deputy leader um, re- return to um, return to the council. Um, but definitely uh, definitely one to watch. I think there's um, I think that's kind of hotting up there, and anybody that thinks that that's an easy ward, I think is um, is probably bound to be due an upset. Yeah, and I think that, you know, you can very much make a case for Steve. Uh, I, I think, you know, it, it, in terms of people who are not necessarily my political um, ally, I felt very sorry for Steve last year, as I think over the pandemic, um, personally, the man had turned in an incredible shift um, uh, after, you know, through the pandemic and with everything that that, that needed to happen. And I felt I felt the electorate giving him a bloody nose last year was 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 very harsh. Even though you know Charlotte ran a very strong campaign and is you know a very credible councillor, I, I thought Steve was a very unlucky man last year. So I, I would happily see him back in local politics. No disrespect to Paula Ann, um, but I don't know. I just think the tide might be running for Labour in that okay. ward. I'm going for Labour okay. game. I'm going for uh, Lib Dem Holt. So that's the first one we disagree on then. Okay, so we move on from Milton to um, one where I don't think there's really probably much of a conversation, is there? Um, no disrespect to the voters of Hillsy. Well, it's, it's marginal, very marginal, oh, yeah, isn't it? totally. Absolutely. Um. So Frank, Lord, Lord Mayor Frank Jonas yeah. standing for re-election. Um well-respected candidate. I mean, when he won it back four years ago, I mean, he, he got by with just a, the 32% winning majority. I mean, okay, last year, that winning margin fell to 28%. But, no tell a lie, he won with 28%, and that increased to 32% last year. Um, so talk about it as we might and obviously this is one that the Portsmouth independents are fielding a candidate in one of the eight wards but nobody's winning this but Frank. Um, so the candidates that we've got here yes are uh, Frank Jonas for the Conservatives as you said the the current Lord Mayor um, we've got Julian Lewis for the Labour Party um, Emma Murphy for the Greens. Um, we've got Russell Simpson for the Portsmouth Independent Party, um, and uh, Peter Williams uh, for the Liberal Democrats. So, um, look, Frank was. It's, it's, is Peter Williams up for some of... kind of record of the number of times you've stood to be a counter and lost? Because it feels like he's been the the Lib Dem candidate in Hilsey since. Adam was a small um, boy. I don't, I don't have the I don't have the stats on that to hand. So yeah, we'll 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 have to we'll, we'll have, have to look, look that up. We'll Maybe we look. can give him like a, a Pompey Politics podcast mug or something. Um. So, um. Yeah. So, um. So in 2018, Frank Jonas was elected with a majority of 871 votes. Um. Actually, more than the number of votes that his that the next candidate got. 
um, at 868 votes. Oh, oh. Um, so double their double their votes, basically. Um, so uh, to be honest with you, no matter yep. what what may or may not happen um, because of national politics that suppresses um, the Tory vote this year, um, let's be honest, Frank Jonas is going to get returned for for Hilsey, isn't he? Um, and in the comments, um, Scott Peter Harris points out that um, that John Ferret, who was the outgoing um, councillor in um, Paulsgrove uh, last year, um, that he stood um, lots of places before he won. And indeed, there's there's quite a history when you when you look back of um, even even the existing successful, if you call them that, the elected councillors, um, they've stood some of them in in various other wards, um, somewhere they didn't stand a cat in hell's chance. Um, and perhaps some have done their time in cat and house chance wards and actually been moved towards where they where they're basically short of like a tidal wave wiping the city out there's no way they could lose so i i think there's kind of like a bit of yep. you know good and effective um local party uh, campaigners uh, do their time cut their teeth and kind of move on to somewhere where they're, then they're going to be useful actually on the council uh, but hilsey um yeah i don't think that's a shock for anybody that we um that we're both agreeing agreeing with that so what's next? Fratton. 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 Fratton, Fratton, Fratton. So in Fratton, we've got the incumbent Tom Coles standing for the Labour Party. We've got um, Dave Fuller trying to return to the council for the Liberal Democrats. Hmm? For, former Lord Mayor. Wasn't he, uh, when he was Lord Mayor, he was the Fratton. Yes. Um, yes. He was the Fratton. And I think he had a brief sojourn into <laughs> Cosham. Due to uh, the the expected candidate being tied up in um, in uh, in legal red tape, owing to them potentially working for an arm of the uh, the council, which um, forbade yes, them from standing. Yes. Um, yeah, it did. It did st- stop me from standing. Um, so um, yeah, so ironically, a law from the year that I was born stopped me. Um, but nonetheless, um, so. Um, David, David yeah, back, back on his, back his home, home turf. turf. And the Conservative candidate in Fratton is uh, Paul Sweeney. So only three candidates this year um, compared to the five that we've had in um, in the last three years. So usually Fratton's quite a tight split. Very, very tight. And, and this was the one last year in, in terms of the Labour assault on the Lib Dems. Um, you know, they appeared to target Central South Sea and Fratton. They got across the line in in Central South Sea and they fell just short in, I can't remember what the, the but it was a double digit votes, wasn't it, last um, yeah, year? So, in the, terms of so the, the interesting margin. one is that um, I think Fratton's another one where they actually, the, the, the councillor's personal relationship with the voters um, and their respect um, that, they, that they garner actually means, uh, means a great deal. Um, so... So Tom Coles won won back in two thousand eighteen against um, the then Liberal Democrat candidate Stuart Brown by just seventy two votes. Um, Stuart was mm. elected last year for the Liberal Democrats um, with thirty five percent of the vote, ver- um, where his Labour competitor was Nikki Coles. Um, so um, so Tom's uh, wife um, with a lead of just fifty two votes. So a very very tight tussle there between between the Lib Dems and the Labour mm. Party. 
Uh, but the interesting thing, I think, that's going to, we'll just have to see what happens when uh, when the votes are counted and it's called out um, in the early hours of May the 6th, um, will be what a difference will it make that this year there are only three candidates. So there's only a, there's a candidate from the three larger major parties. Um, whereas actually normally, um, there, you know, in previous years, there's been those plus a Green plus a um, Workers' Party of Britain or a or a UKIP candidate um, in the in the prior two, so one to watch. Yeah, and again, that fa- that fascinates me, Simon. If I'm honest, because there's there's this piece where you know if you look at Fratton and even the Conservatives, the the, the Conservative candidate, whilst they're a little way off, um, they're not com- they've never been completely out of the running, and so you look at this being a very marginal marginal. Um, I was very surprised not to see a Portsmouth independent in this ward um, because I felt there were, you know, there were kind of the the vote sort of is ebbs and flows a little bit. So the fact that it's it, it's looking like a straight shootout now, um, LDs versus Labour, I think the question of the absence of Green, you know, who does that help? Does that help Labour or does that help the Lib Dems? I'm not sure that I'm. I'm not sure I know. So, what way are you calling Fratton then? I, I I'm actually calling Fratton based on personal mm-hmm. brand. So Tom Coles, um, I don't know what he does, but Labour in their social media posts um, regularly touch on the fact that you know Tom was o- only able to stay with us for a brief period of time before he went off to work his night shift for the NHS. Um, and I think that plays well. Um, you know, you talked about the sort of vaccine euphoria. I think there's, you know, the very much a, a very positive mindset towards people who work in the NHS. Um, I think that's going to be just enough to get Tom over the line. I, I, you, you can make a very strong argument for David Fuller. Um, you know, one in Fratton before, you know, served his time as, as mayor. Um, but I have got Tom Coles just nicking this one. Not wishing to campaign for um, David, but he runs a care home. So, um, so he's you know that's also so not 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 also wishing to. I'm not disparaging Tom's um, Tom's hard work either. But no, no, no. So I think and, there's and, a. I, I agree that there's a there's a quite rightly a particular sort of. Um, positive um view of people that have um that we've discovered over the last couple of years are the people really important to us um because they're the ones actually keeping our keeping our loved ones safe and keeping our society um, glued together while we go through some truly horrendous times uh but i'll um i'll, I'll call this one for lib dem so another one that we're we're disagreeing on yeah yeah no that's and that's how it should us disagreeing yeah we can't we can't keep agreeing that's that's just not allowed um and I sense we might go to the same place as we move down south into Eastney and Craneswater. Yeah, so Eastney and Craneswater. So this year the candidates are uh, Scott Green for the Conservatives, um, Lee Tyndall for Portsmouth Independent Party, uh, Matthew Winnington for the Liberal Democrats, and Craig Withy um, for the Labour Party. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, um, as we as we said at the top of the show, um, unfortunately, um, really disappointing that we weren't able to get a date that um, that the three candidates that had um, responded to us 
um, were able to were able to make. Um, so we thank them for um, for their willingness to um, to contribute. But it was a bit of a shame. I think the voters in the ward would probably have appreciated um, that. But sadly, um, we couldn't find a gap in the schedule. So. Um, yeah, I think this this one's a tough one. And we couldn't find Scott Green. Um, no, no. So um, yes, yeah, so last year, um, I mean, we talked about the the riding the vaccine euphoria saw the Conservative vote share increase across the country, um, and um, while being mysteriously located um, outside the ward in any in any social media posts that um, that that I came across, um, the the Conservative candidate last year, John Smith. Um, won this uh, ward for the Conservatives, um, de- you know, dis- um, effectively denying um, previous cabinet, yeah, unseating, unseating Matt, Matt Winnington, previous yep. cabinet member for health, well-being, and social care. Um, so also um, works, um, you know, works uh, works with health services. Um, so denying him another turn, uh, another term. Um, so you know, if that Tory vote inflation isn't going to be present this year. Um, and although, um, sadly, for whatever reason, Scott um, Scott Green may seem to have um, not really necessarily be um, that visible a candidate, we don't, you know, from what we could what we could see, um, if he's copied, um, you know, that that strategy might have worked for um, Councillor Smith last year, but I don't think I don't think it'll work for him this year. Um, hard to see how that how it could. Um, it's essentially the pitch fight between the Liberal Democrats and the Labour last year that. You also helped the Conservatives basically return a councillor in a ward where perhaps otherwise, basically the you know the gods shone on them. You know the the vote share was um, increased nationally, um, so there was an uptick, and and basically the Lib Dems and the Labour Party were fighting like two rats in a sack, and therefore de- um, depreciated um, their own votes or and therefore allowing um, the Conservatives to win. So I think it's a different kettle of onions this year, um, as someone would famously say. Um, I'm calling that one for Matthew Winnington. And that's an interesting one, because, I mean, for me, and again, a shout out to Craig. I think Craig Withy came across as a a very credible and articulate candidate for Labour. I, I felt last year... Labour probably poured more into ENC than they had ever done before. Um, and I, I do kind of wonder a little bit whether, you know, Matt rested on his laurels a touch, again, worked bloody hard during the pandemic and and felt perhaps that, that you know, that should have got him more credit in the bank than it did. And so, as you say, well, whilst Craig and, and Matt squared up to each other, um, Councillor Smith snuck through and and bagged the win, um, and if I'm if I'm honest, uh, that that I see a replication of that. Again, I, I think the I think the independent coming into ENC makes a difference. I do wonder in terms of of the eight wards. You know, this is clearly. The furthest south that the independents have ventured, so I, I, I don't know how much resource and how many boots on the grounds they've put in pursuit of this ward. Um, so I, I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing them making a, a sort of Paul's Grovian impact. So I'm actually calling it the same as I saw last year, which is, whilst we all watched the Lib Dems and Labour have a fist fight. Um, the Conservative, slightly anonymous candidate, sneaks along the rails and nips through 
and it's a conservative hold because obviously what we've got to what we haven't touched on is that the this is the ward where a famous contrarian and quarter of public opinion luke stubbs was the sitting councillor um obviously took a little turn as deputy police and crime commissioner um, before resigning that role so i think many thought luke would be back to reprise his role as local councillor um but um no evidently not i mean it's seen. an interesting point that you make about um when you talked about both matthew winnington and um steve pitt is there a sad irony that they were so busy doing the job that they were too busy to actually campaign to keep it i think i think that could be and again and often that's where that argument for why the bloody hell do we have elections three out of four years on a cycle comes comes back because there's an element of you know are you able to think long term and think strategically when in three out of four years you're you're having to mobilize all of your local resources to try and fight to keep your hand on the steering wheel so again it looks like we disagree i'm going for a con hole you're going for a liberty i think it's likely that one of us will be wrong rather than both of us on this one yes yes i do we can't both be right but i don't see a third outcome other than con hold or lib Dempsey. okay um so um going from the and of course no one could campaign any further south than eastern cranswater because they'd have got their feet wet and ended up in the isle of Wight. um however going right to the top of the city drayton and farlington next um the the, the marginalist of it's such a tight fight isn't it it's such a tight one so um standing this year we've got um we've got delwer bay for the liberal democrats uh we've got um conservative group leader um and incumbent simon bosher um we've got uh puja jar for um, the labor party and we've got tom Ilds for the portsmouth independent party um Let's be honest, there's no way in hell anyone other than Simon Boucher is going to be winning this ward. Last year, the Tories won here with an almost embarrassing 68% of the vote. Um, the ward is... Was it Was it a 48% winning margin? Yes. Yeah, so when Simon won it four years ago, he, he scraped home with just a 43% yes. winning margin. Um, so, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's perhaps a ward where it's ripe for someone else to campaign in it, to fight for all of the votes that aren't being represented by continually returning, um, effectively, a kind of a story stronghold, but there's no sign of anyone doing that this year. And I, I'll be honest with you, Simon, there, there comes a point where, you know, the most optimistic of optimists has got to look at DNF and say, you know... Those are the first, if we were looking for, you know, whatever way we play our political games, if you were to put the first three seats in the council chamber, DNF blue, you would X in, those would be the first three you wrote down every time. Um, yeah, um, yeah, it's, um, I mean, we used um, different um, ways to explain it. We joke about them weighing the votes rather than counting them. We joke about, or I've joked about, if you put a shopping trolley with a red, uh, sorry, a blue rosette on it at the top of the hill, by the time it hit Station Road, it would have been elected. Um, so, yep. yeah, um, you know, let's be honest. Unless other unless other parties turn up and actually start to make a visible campaign there, what is there for voters um, to get interested in? Um, which is, you know, a bit yeah, of a, there's I, a, I think there's I, another show in 
whether that's well, you know, it, whether that's a self-fulfilling prophecy by parties not basically having to marshal their resources, or whether that's just people not showing them that it's worth them bothering because they're not voting. Well, it, it, and it's the conundrum of local democracy, isn't it? We've seen some stuff on the on Portsmouth politics, you know, about well, I haven't seen, I haven't, uh, you know, again is it i can't remember whether it's 10,000 voters or 10,000 homes in each um each of the wards um but i i think people think that who are outside of local politics think that you know the major parties have got hundreds of activists desperate to knock doors and deliver leaflets mm. um and that isn't the truth uh, and i guess the simple answer is if you're not seeing leaflets being delivered by your favoured political party in your area offer to deliver some if you're if you're not seeing yes, candidates for your favoured political party or indeed and um, something an entity other than a one of the established political parties then stand get if you don't like the democracy that you're seeing get involved absolutely and this brings us to home indeed this brings Caution. us right onto the estate that sounded almost a little bit australian come kind of london a bit i don't know what i did there it did. You went slightly east yeah. end there, which I'm not quite sure well, I understand. But um, you're barred. Caution. caution. So, um, so this year we've got um, uh, um, Helena Cole uh, standing for the Liberal Democrats. We've got Hannah Hockaday uh, standing for the Conservative Party, so the incumbent uh, candidate. We've got Mike Jerome standing for Portsmouth Independent Party, and Ashgar Shah standing for the Labour Party. Um, hmm. Another that we enhustulated. Yes, so we did a hustings on here, and I've posted the link to the uh, YouTube of the hustings and the SoundCloud version of the hustings, or you can listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. So either Apple, Amazon, Google, Spotify, or indeed SoundCloud. Um, yeah, so it, it seems to have seen a bit more um, political activity in recent years. So perhaps a couple of years ahead of what you're what we were now seeing this year in Nelson. Um, so although it's not returned any anyone other than a Conservative since 2012, um, when it returned a Liberal Democrat who, if memory serves, promptly defected to Labour and left the city. Um, so yep. um, I think um, Labour's candidate Ashkar Shah, um, leaning on his strong community work, will take the ward um, with the Conservative vote either um, split by um, Portsmouth Independence Party um, at the right fringes, um, or them just staying home out of disapproval for the conduct in Number 10 and Westminster. Yes, yeah, an interesting one because it's, I, I, I guess we're, we're both, this is both local to us, so we do we do look a little bit more. Um, so last year, the winning margin, I think, was, so when Hannah was elected, she had a 26% winning margin. Um, yes. And I think last year, the margin, the winning margin for matt atkins was down to 12 percent, so you have seen a sort of a, a closing of the gap um and it's been very interesting this year to see that uh shah has had much more support from the local labor party i think many of the local labor party feared that if they crossed the m27 and went north they'd die of some kind of disease so you know there has been effort being put in for shah um the campaign hasn't been especially pretty. Um, there has been, you know, some some kind of fairly unsavoury social media exchanges between the 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 Labour and the Conservatives. Um, 
I, I look at it and I, you know, I, I think Shah is actually a really fantastic community activist. Um, and I think, I think in a different part of the city, um, I think a he'd get elected and B I think he'd be a, I think he'd be a very fine representative for his, um, you know, for his constituents. But I actually think in Cosham, I think there's an underestimation of of Hannah's personal brand. You know, she's she's lived on the Highbury estate um, for many many years. I think I think some of the more unpleasant elements of the campaign I don't think have helped. Um, and I actually think based on those two, and it, it's still being you know twelve percent in most political circles is a pretty healthy winning margin. I think when you add those things together, I think it is a, uh, for me, it's conservative hold. Okay, so we differ again, um, unsurprisingly. So I'm going for a, a Labour gain, you're a conservative hold. Um, so let's just head back across the creek uh, to Copner, um, where we also had a hustings. Um, so we've got uh, Peter Candlish, the Liberal Democrat candidate, uh, Raymond Dent the for the Portsmouth Independent Party, uh, Tim Shim and Chase for the Greens, um, ben Swan, uh, the incumbent for the Conservative Party, and Mary Vallelie, um for the Labour Party. Um, so what do you think is going to happen in Copner? I can't see anything other than a Ben Swan hold. Um, and with double digits, you know, if you look at it, when Ben was elected, um, I'm trying to get this the right way around. He had a 27% margin. Okay, last time out, it was 19%. I think Raymond Dent has put a lot of effort. Yeah, I think Pitt put a lot of effort into this ward because I think they they saw it very much as a conservative complacency. I think um, Ben and his team have campaigned pretty hard. Um, I don't think it helped in the ward um, with what uh, locally we might be calling Stampgate, where unfortunately... Letters were sent to elect uh, to the electorate from Pip, with uh, stamps they had purchased from Amazon, which meant to collect your political leaflet you had to pay a two pound fifty surcharge. I don't think that will have helped. Well, I think them. It's, a, it's a way to get um, you to make you memorable in the eyes of voters, but not in a good way. But anyway. well, yeah, memorable uh, indeed. Some sort of um, purchasing staff yeah. who, um, with the Pip campaign team. Yeah, and and uh, I think for me, I think Ben has been, you know, he's a he's a hardworking local candidate. I, I don't think he, I, I don't think Ben, particularly, I don't think he is one of those folk that goes to sleep for three years and then wakes up when it's his turn to be elected. Um, so I, I've got Ben home with a double-digit majority. Yeah, I think it's normally a um, a quiet ward with little to no electoral combat. Um, although in recent years that seems to have had a greater presence from uh, from Tim Shim and Chase um, on behalf of the Greens. Um, so while they've increased their vote share from 4% in 2018 to 11% last year, um, it's still going to be a Conservative re-election for Ben Swan. Um, he was elected in 2018 with 47% of the vote um, and Conservative colleagues Rob New and Lewis Gosling um, in the following years got elected with a 37% and a 53% um, respectively so um, whatever happens you know whether there's a dent in that um, in that majority hey a Raymond, a Raymond dent, dent in that will. majority oh sorry I, yeah, oh, I didn't I didn't I didn't line that up sorry oh, oh. I feel like I've let you all down I'm so sorry um, yep. so um, I think um, I think Ben will swan in 
No, nothing for that. No, no, I'm not giving you that one. You missed your, you missed your opportunity. <sighs> Charles Dickens, then. Right, three, three to go, and time is is against us. Charles Dickens. Um. So, um. So this year we've got um Yinka and Denran, um for Labour, um, Maria Cole for the Liberal Democrats, uh, Chris Dyke for the Portsmouth Independent Party, um, Chris Pickett uh, for the Trade Union and the Socialist Coalition, and uh, Rennie Raj, um, Dr. Rennie Raj for the Conservative Party. Um, standing there. Sadly, um, no hustings this year for Charles Dickens. We had one last year where Kirsty Meller um, and uh, Dr. Rennie Raj uh, were both on, on the show. So sadly, we couldn't organise one despite um, the Labour candidate being willing to um, do one. So, yeah, um, Councillor... Um, like. Hmm? Uh, yeah, well, so effectively a Labour hold um, from what was elected as a Labour, um, Claire Rudy, who then uh, left the party shortly before the election, but it, it was too late to have changed um, the ballots um, and who then um, firstly stood as an independent and then uh, formed the Portsmouth Progressive People Group um, with um, Jeanette Smith. Um, and um, yeah, so the last time anyone came close um, to the Labour lead in this ward was in 2018 when the Le when the then Lib Dem candidate Sarah Shreve um, we, um, came within 5% of Clare. Um, everyone else since is miles away from them. So definitely a late yeah. hold. Central South Sea. Central South Sea. Now this this was the one last year where, you know, Steve Pitt was was done by the very energetic campaigning of Labour. Uh this year George Fielding, the Labour leader, is uh is the sitting candidate. Um so I guess the question is you know, have the Lib Dems tenaciously gone after this one in an attempt for payback for last year? Because um, that that that's for me is the that's the key question. Um, so we've got George Fielding, as you say, the um, Labour Group leader standing uh, for the Labour Group. We've got uh, Menu Groen standing for the Greens. Uh, we've got Jack Jackson standing for the Conservatives. And Sarah Shreve standing for the Liberal Democrats. Um, so um, I don't think Liberal Democrats by very nature are a vengeful lot. Um, so although last year we saw um, Charlotte Gerard gain the seat uh, from the then deputy leader, um, Steve Pitt, as we've talked about before, uh, both being very hardworking and respected in their community, um, does Central South Sea present an opportunity to defeat the Labour group leader, George Fielding, for the Lib Dems? Um, I still think George is going to win it. And so do I. I, I, I don't want to, because actually, I mean, Sarah Shreve, I just, she's been on the podcast, hasn't she? Uh, yeah, so um, um, she heads up just, um, Sewage Southsea, the sewage thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, and, and would would love to see her win, uh, simply because George has already declared that um, his party will back the Lib Dems come what may, um, which we'll touch on in a minute, um, which I kind of think... In terms of giving the electorate choices, is uh, is yeah, is an interesting perspective. So we'd love to see Sarah do well. I'm slightly disappointed in the local Lib Dems that they didn't work harder in that ward. But like you, I see it as a Labour hold. They're just not the vengeful type. They don't bear grudges. They're too nice. No, no you should bear. That's your problem. Oh, well, Stop being um, nice. I'm sure there are many others that can speak to. Um, how that's not the sort of politics that um that, that people want um okay so 
baffins the the battleground baffins so um so we held the hustings in baffins on tuesday this week um so we had uh, jason christopher the labor party candidate uh charlie douglas um the conservative for the conservatives um they weren't joined by abdul Qadir, the lib dem uh, candidate um and paul oakley cleef the portsmouth independent party candidate didn't uh, unfortunately attend the hustings but submitted a pre-prepared statement um the links in the comments if anybody actually wants to go watch or listen to the hustings bob simmons for the greens and jeanette smith um standing as an as an independent so yeah it's it, it's an interesting one um i think jeanette is a um I, I mean to be honest with you the the interventions she makes in the chamber are always well thought out and actually deeply uh deeply insightful um so you know, is she going to lose her seat? Um, she was last elected in 2018 as a Lib Dem. People leaving yep. or crossing parties isn't usually something the voters tend to reward um, candidates for. Um, but she left the group and party in July 2019. Um, but the Lib Dem vote in this ward is strong uh, with Darren Sanders and mm. uh, Lynn Smith. Um, sorry, Lynn, um, Lynn Stagg, um, getting 45 and 47% of the votes when they were up for elections um, the year before, um, sorry, 2019, 2021. Um, this year is a bit more of a pitch fight, though, because there's six candidates versus the normal four. There are. And for me, we, we can discount two straight away. And which two are you discounting? Greens and Labour. Okay. So Labour never does anything in this ward, and the Greens, bless them, they they, they throw. Oh, that's my dog wanting to go out. They throw some percents in, but um, yeah. So the question you've got to ask yourself is is the the Conservatives are perpetual runners up in this ward, are they not? Um, and there's an element for me. It, it's just on the edge of the north. If I look at the demographic, and I've got lots of friends in Baffins, it's a ward that I've always looked at and thought from a conservative perspective, how are we not winning Baffins? But we don't. So the the key dynamic here for me in this one is, is Jeanette going to split the Lib Dem vote? Because as you say, great numbers, 45 47%. But if you split that in any meaningful way, 22, 23% does not win you a seat. So, I mean, Jeanette won in 2018 with 37%, and the next closest um, competitor was uh, Terry Norton, the Conservative candidate, of 34%. Um, Lynn, Lynn Stagg, sorry, uh, won in 2019 with 45%, with um, the Conservative candidate at 21%. Um, and Darren Sanders um, won last year with 47% with the Conservative candidate at 29%. So um, the question will be and whether that- the new Lib Dem candidate has the sort of personal um, impact that um, Darren and Lynn have, um, whether yep. that can translate over um, and whether this scrabble for votes is actually going to just eke away at enough to allow someone to come through. I think... I mean, in my view, um, the Lib Dems are going to win it. I think the battleground is going to be who ends up in second place. I think that's where the, what's going to be interesting in Baffins. You think differently. Well, that, yeah, so I, I think 30% wins you the seat this time round. Okay. Because I actually think the Lib Dems, Jeanette, and the Conservatives will get 
decent votes. And I think that Paul will, I think he'll get, he'll get a chunk of votes. I, I could see him getting maybe eight, nine, 10%. So I think, I think there is an element of, I think 30% will be enough to win it. And I think this is one where Jeanette and the Lib Dem vote. I think they'll, I think they'll split. I think they'll split almost evenly. I think both will end up with 25, 26 or 23, 20, mid twenties. And I think, um, I think Charlie is actually going to come through on the rails, very similar to E and C. Um, and I see this as a conservative game. Okay, well, let's see what happens. So we've totted up the numbers. We've um, come to a conclusion. We've overrun. So your numbers. Yep. Brings you to um, so reminding that current the current situation is seventeen Conservatives, fifteen Lib Dems, but the Lib Dems um, running a minority council. Uh, Labour on seven. Uh, the Portsmouth um, Progressive People's Group at two, and an Independent on one. Um, with your um, predictions, that leaves the Conservatives still the largest party with seventeen. The Liberal Democrats on fourteen. Labour on nine, and the Portsmouth Independent Party uh, with two which will still leave us with a Lib Dem minority administration because there's no way in hell that Labour are going to vote in a Conservative administration. Yeah, and I think th this is the, you know, again, the, the end of the story is, is not the most exciting because, you know, Labour have made their position very clear. And I, I do struggle a bit with their phony war. I, just before we came on air, there was a post from Labour decrying a Lib Dem leaflet and 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 basically arguing that well is this the best the lib dems can do and it's that well i don't understand why you're attacking the lib dems because whatever happens and even if we're wildly out i did a couple of you know that said well if there was a 20 percent swing to the lib dems or a 20 percent swing to labor the fact is that the conservatives are going to keep their stronghold in the north um the south's all going to be divvied up and it doesn't matter how much the Lib Dems and Labour postulate against each other. Um, when it comes down to it, the Lib Dems are going to be, I, well, you think they'll be in a majority. I think they'll be in a minority. Oh, no, I don't think anybody's going to have a majority. No one's getting into 22 seats. No, no, no. As in that they'll, they'll, be the, they'll, they'll have the largest number of seats. Oh, yeah, so... But all they're going to do is click their fingers... And Labour will come running and vote them back in again. So no, I don't, I don't think, I don't think to be fair to the Labour group, they're not at the beck and call of the Liberal Democrats. It's just a case of some. But I think that I think they are because I think they've made their position clear. If you say I am not going to vote for, I am only going to vote for, there's only two answers, isn't there? It's Lib Dems or Conservatives. Um, and if you said I will not vote for the Conservatives, and in fact. I will vote in any way that I possibly can that means that Conservatives aren't in administration. Well, the Lib Dems don't have to work hard now, do they? Um, so my prediction brought us out with um, Conservatives on 14, the Liberal Democrats, the largest party on 18, Labour on 8, the Portsmouth Independent Party on 2. Now in that situation, because the Liberal Democrats are the largest party, Labour could affect... Um, essentially abstain um, and therefore yes. not vote um, the Liberal Democrats into the administration again but um, the Liberal Democrats will pass that vote because um, because they've got they've got basically they'll have the, the largest um, the largest vote so um, so yeah. either way 
um, we end up with a Lib Dem minority administration. Yes. Then the yeah. question. Yeah, no overall control yes. with the Lib Dems r running the shop, either because they've got the most seats or because Labour have given them the leg up. Yeah, but I mean, let's be honest, there was no way mathematically that anybody, any one party was going to win the number of seats that they needed to have as net gains this year to form a majority. So. Well, and, and there is an argument. Mm. And again, it's probably another show we're overrunning. So we, we need to. I, I would argue currently that there is there is no mechanism by which any party can get to 22 because and again i'll be perfectly candid but perhaps unreasonable here the conservatives have given up on the south so even if they were to win Three in Paulsgrove, three in Hilsey, three in Cosham, three in DNF, three in Baffins, three in Cobner. You know, if they win every seat in the north, which you can argue they might do at some point, that takes them to twenty-one. Yeah, they still can't win. But still can't. But then win. they only need to win a ward in the in the south. And I, I I get the point the the point that you're making, but mathematically, because the Conservative party because i think labor's position is essentially the last thing they're going to want to do is allow or support the formation of a conservative administration because yes. they did that in 2014 and their members and their voters quite understandably said what the heck did you do that for um so yeah, they were not they, um, they may have used different words so um yeah. so in that respect i don't think that outcome is that it should be should come as a surprise but the labor party's aim is to is to gain enough seats to eventually form a labor a labor run administration that's that's their reason for existing it's just that what hurts them doing that at the moment would be supporting a conservative administration i don't i don't think anybody should be surprised or shocked by that i think you're just unhappy that that doesn't work that way for you but in 2014 when the no, no, I... when the when ukip and and labor voted to allow the conservative administration then that was okay yeah, no, I, I, I don't. I, I, again, it's not a macro mm. issue for me. I think it is a. I think the dilemma, and it's one we should explore in a future Definitely. show, is is with with the North being predominantly conservative, mm. and with the South being, I don't like the word, but progressive. That, or, or, or left leaning, if you want a different term, then there is an element of. It is a, there is no, I can't see, you know, I can't see in all honesty a route to map the Lib Dems to 22. No. Or to map the Conservatives to 22. No. I agree. Unless in the South they, you know, there's suddenly a revival and they start putting some effort in. I, I, I completely agree. I don't see any route map that gets either the Conservatives or the Liberal Democrats to a, a majority administration. Um, I think part of this is about, and we talked about this in its birth, probably a separate um, a separate episode, part of this is about us electing in thirds. Part of this is about the weirdness of Portsmouth that we have um, basically a battle between the Conservative and the Liberal Democrat choice of con uh, um, choice of council administration but when it comes to mps it's quite clearly with uh, to be honest unassail um, seemingly unassailable majorities a conservative mp in the north and a labor mp in the in the south so portsmouth is a bit uh, a, a bit probably strange um like that 
Um, but the North isn't, you know, council-wise, isn't, um, although there are some stronghold wards for the Conservative, um, Baffins is in the North, Nelson's in the North, Charles Dickens is in the North, and neither of those have Conservative councils. Well, Charles Dickens is in the South. Stop it. I beg your pardon. Charles Dickens is in the South. Sorry. So, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, But either way, there's still two wards that are in the North that don't have Conservative councillors. So I think... Yet. Um, so I think there's a wider conversation uh, about people getting a chance to cast their vote for people that represent them and that to mean something. To me, that that tells me that first past the post doesn't work. I know you have a different view on first past the post, oh, God. but I think we both agree. Despite I know that the I know that the current administration don't favour the idea of going to all out elections. Um, personally, I see the benefit in having a four-year period in which to do some of the difficult things and make some of the difficult choices you need to deal with the climate crisis, to deal with the traffic issues, to deal with the housing issues in the city. Um, you need that time in order to be able to make some progress. This constant campaigning wears people down, does nothing but kill trees to put, put through people's letterboxes into the recycling scheme and doesn't really actually bring the change to the city that I'd like to see. And on that bombshell, we can both agree you've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I've been Ian Tiny Morris. And I've been Simon Sansby. So uh, do join us next week at the same time at 6.27 uh, when we'll be talking about how wrong we were today uh, with our predictions. Um, so join us next week. Um, how wrong you were. <laughs> <laughs> we we, we shall see whether whether I can make it 3-0 um, so join us next week 6.27 please don't forget to follow like sh um, share subscribe you can find us on YouTube Facebook uh, Twitter SoundCloud etc and wherever you get your podcasts thank you very much for listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast thank you for listening to this episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast if you want to make sure you get notifications about upcoming shows and get to know when we're live, we normally broadcast live 6.27pm on a Sunday evening, then follow us on Facebook at Pompey Politics Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Pompey Politics One. Please, if you'd like to, feel free to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and you can even ask Alexa to play the podcast for you. Alexa, play the latest episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. Getting Pompey Politics podcast from Amazon Music. Alexa, the latest episode. Stop. See? It's easy.